Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Petcast. I'm your host James and today we are going over the episode Grounded. So, the episode starts off with Blythe coming back from walking Zoe and Minka and is surprised about people being surprised by seeing a monkey on a leash, especially since Blythe points out that she walks a mongoose, a panda, a gecko, and a hedgehog. You would think a monkey would not be that shocking. I think out of all of those, the panda would be the most shocking, but who knows with this reality. So then the mailman comes in and is again surprised by Minka being on a leash, but gives Blythe their mail anyway. Blythe is excited because her ballet tickets have arrived. Which brings me to a question. Why does Blythe get her mail delivered to the pet shop? Like, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess since she lives in an apartment, she would have to go downstairs to, like, unlock a lockbox or whatever. But she already has, like, a a scooter or something that she has to keep on a lock and key. I think she would have, like, a keychain, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just easier because, like, she just uses the dumbwaiter to come down every day to go to school. Like, because it's easier, I guess? I guess it would be easier. She comes there. I guess it's just easier for her, you know? So then, Mrs. Tombley is excited for her DNA kit. Blythe wonders what it's about, and Mrs. Tomley explains that it's a DNA kit for pets. She wants to sell them because uh, people want to know about their pets. But she wants to test it on some of the day camp people first. Zoe makes a smart remark on uh, how purebred she is that gets lost on Minka. And she takes this, like, purebred status as a symbol of pride, which it's not. You're a dog, like every other dog. And for the record, mutts are better than purebreds from a strictly biological standpoint, because that means they're not as likely to get sick from things, because, you know, the DNA is mixed. That's just science. So... Blythe is excited for the ballet, and she says she's going to get her hair done, get a mani-pedi, and maybe buy a new dress. And then Roger walks in, sad, saying that that probably won't happen because he just got fired. And he says that we have to tighten the purse strings. So... Normally, I would agree, but Blythe is making money on her own. She works at the Littlest Pet Shop, and on top of that, she runs her own little kiosk. That is, like, self-run. So between whatever Mrs. Tombley's paying her and whatever people give her in terms of animal clothes, like, you could not tighten the purse strings as much i mean i'm not saying blythe is making a pilot's income but 
That has to be a sizable amount. Although maybe like... Are the dresses? Or not dresses. Well, some of them are dresses. But are the outfits that Blythe makes made at cost? Because, you know, if they're made at cost, that would be somewhat detrimental to, like, Blythe getting money. But if they weren't, then she'd have a little more money than she does than just from working at the thing. And if Blythe is hourly, that could mean a lot of things. Because, like, there are days where she doesn't do that much work. So if she's hourly, that means like if she gets paid, say seven fifty an hour, that's like the minimum wage in where I live. I don't know what it is elsewhere, but seven no seven twenty five an hour. So if it's seven twenty five an hour, that would just be like I don't know, maybe one hour's worth of things a day sometimes. Just because she's off doing other things. Because, you know, she's a teenager and needs to do other things as well. I don't know. This whole thing is a tad confusing. So, whatever. Maybe she makes enough so that... She can do some of her own spending while also giving money for, like, you know, rent and stuff. I don't know. Maybe. So. So we cut to later. Where Roger is helping around the pet shop. Uh, by oiling leash clips, alphabetizing the squeaky toys, organizing the pet food by height and weight, painting the office, rewiring the air conditioner, and installing an espresso machine. So, is he doing all of this pro bono? Or is he asking for, like, an hourly salary as well? I'd imagine he'd do it voluntarily, but he's also not working at this point. And as much as Roger's a good guy, he also needs to, you know, support him and his teenage daughter. That's, that's, that's hard stuff. So, Mrs. Tomley is a bit worried about Roger working on stuff at the shop, but pretends it's fine and asks why the airline laid him off. So, this is probably my favorite line in the episode, but it's, it's, you'll, you'll see. So Roger explains, 
that every three years on the second Tuesday of the fourth month, they lay off someone whose name begins with B until four days before the next full moon that falls on a Saturday. And he just says those are union rules. That's union policy. I mean... <laughs> Alright, this is... This is very silly, but I like it because it's with Roger, who is like... Like, comic relief in this show. Basically. Ostensibly. More or less comic relief. Like... More so than some other things. Roger's just, like, goofy a lot of the time. Like, when he's not goofy, he's really serious. But most of the time, he's just really goofy. And, you know, honestly, it's kind of just like he is goofy. Just a human. And not a dog thing? Or whatever goofy is? I mean, uh, they're both they're both single dads who are trying to connect better to their teenage children. Why did I not see this before? The Roger Baxter is goofy. He's goofy. Holy crap! Okay. We're 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 gonna go with that. Alright. So Roger's excited to fix more things, but Mrs. Tombley really isn't. Blythe reminds her that this is only a temporary layoff. And how bad could it possibly be? And on cue the espresso machine blows up and Mrs. Tombley says she does not want to find out. Minka and Zoe tell the other pets about the DNA test and say it will tell you what kind of animal you are. Russell explains that he doesn't need a test to tell him he's a hedgehog and asks what else he could be. Vinny, Sunil, and Pepper answer with a porcupine, a prickly rat, and a pineapple. Russell walks away in anger. So the other pets raise concerns about the test, like, Sunil doesn't want to study, and they don't know what DNA is, and it's just this whole they don't know what it means kind of joke. So Mrs. Tombley comes by and offers the test, but only Minka and Zoe stay behind. So Roger is in the office trying to fix stuff that's not broke, and he accidentally unplugs the computer. Blythe advises Roger that Mrs. Trombley has her own way of doing things around here. So maybe you should do something else with your newfound time. Like search for a job online. Uh, Roger likes the idea and accidentally shows Blythe the cords he unplugged on accident. And then he says, oh, you know, this computer's a bit broken right now, so I'll just, I'll just use the computer upstairs, you know? And then Blythe says that she needs to get to school and says she has to fly. 
Roger gets upset because he can't fly until four days from the next full moon that falls on a Saturday. <laughs> holy, holy Manoli. So, in the play area, Mrs. Trombley begins conducting the test. She reads that she has to swab the inside of the mouth of the pet, and she does, and she does it with both of the pets. So, and you can tell uh, Minka and Zoe's mouth open stance shows a lot about their personality because Minka has her mouth open like, ah, and then Zoe's like, Aah. I hope that translates well to audio. If not, just watch the episode. So, um, she then puts the swabs in and, uh, uh, swabs it around and uh, and puts puts both of the swabs once she's done in a whirly twirly device and then uh, like she puts them in and it whirls around a bit so Minka says speaking of whirly twirly device and then spins on a tire swing Russell comes over and wonder what Zoe's thinking about Zoe is imagining what her ancestors were like, you know, being the purest of brains. Ah, oh, God. Anyway, so the first ancestor, we go to a dog who is with Washington crossing the Delaware. Uh, Washington's teeth fall out, but she saves the teeth. So the second ancestor is an ancient Egypt who is being mocked by a cat however when the cat starts clawing at the owner's leg the cat is kicked out in favor of the dog which I'm not 100% sure is culturally accurate but you never know really it's, it's for a joke so the third ancestor was owned by a king of some kind? Prussian? Maybe? French? Possibly? Maybe Spanish? I don't want to say English because, like, where is it that, like, this dog became a dog that helped Washington fight the British? Also has a relative that was in Buckingham Palace. Like, I mean, a, a dog owned by any of these kings might seem odd that Washington would get it, but it's especially odd for, like, if it was an English king. Because that doesn't make sense. Like, that, like, I can imagine, like, France being, like, Hey, uh, George, we we hate the British too. We hate the British so much. You can have one of our dogs, one of our royal dogs. This royal dog has, you know, an ancestor or something to who saved the king's life. Maybe I don't know. It's just it's just weird if I said English because that like that wouldn't make any sort of sense. 
So, in the present, Zoe starts drooling and then says that uh, she is sorry and that is um, unpurebred behavior, despite the fact that she is a dog. Although she has said that she forgets sometimes that she is a dog, so maybe that's it. But she's a dog. Dogs are allowed to drool. Purebred or not. I mean, unless Westminster has a no drooling rule, but I don't know. I don't watch the Westminster dog show. I don't know. Fine, pompous dogs. I don't know. But whatever. Dog standards of beauty are not whatever. I'm. I'll get into it. Just whatever. No, no. I'm. I am mad. I am mad. <laughs> I will. I will get to it. Let's. Let's. Let's take. Let's take that. That train. There, and we will get there. So. Upstairs, Roger is looking for jobs. He comes across brain surgeon, but rejects it because it would give him the willies. Actor, but he rejects it because he couldn't afford the therapy. And meteorologist, but he rejects that because he doesn't care about meteors. He then finds something that's up his alley and gives them a call. Zoe can't wait to find out the test results because she wants confirmation bias that she is the purest of purebred dolls. And once the test is done, Mrs. Twombly reads it. She reads that Minka is a super rare monkey that's not really a monkey, but a minky. And everyone is impressed, but Minka is too dizzy from spinning on the tire swing. Mrs. Trombley continues and says that Zoe is a mutt. Now, Zoe is pleased to hear this news because that means she's more... I'm sorry. I mean, Zoe is saddened to hear this news because she thinks she's no longer perfect and unique. No. No. Come on. Come, like, like... Like, there is a certain whatever to being a purebreed, but uniqueness isn't one of them. Uniqueness is you're just like all of your ancestors. That's not unique. That's, that is the opposite of unique. Unique is like being a mutt, being a Chihuahua St. Bernard mix. That is unique. That is something lovable. You know? I don't... I don't get it. No. No. The, the, this, the mutt bashing that goes on in this episode is, is not great. It's not... It's no. 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 So, Minka is excited for her revelation as a Minky, and then hugs Zoe, and together they say, I'm not who I thought I was. 
Roger is suiting up at home when Blythe gets home. He says he has a job interview and wants to wow them, and Blythe wishes him luck. So then we go back to the pet shop. Minka is excited to paint, but her paints get taken away from her, and then her gloves are put on for protection because of her rare, delicate, minky hands. And Minka seems freaked out by this and decides to eat. And she tries grabbing the banana, but she can't with her gloves. Vinny peels it for her, and Sunil chews it for her, which only freaks Minka out even more. She wants to go watch TV, but Russell steals Zoe's cushion for Minka. So we see Zoe has let herself go and doesn't care about herself anymore, and she wears sweatpants. I will say, though, I do like her hair in this state. It's kind of like pop punk chic and I like it. It It's really, you know, expressive. Although it's supposed to be demeaned at this point, so I don't know if they like it, but I like it. I think it looks better than how Zoe naturally looks. I mean, sometimes. I don't know. It's a really good hairdo. I like that hairdo, anyway. So, Minka says that she's not all that special. And Penny interjects with the Dana tests, say you are. And that is a running gag that I did not repeat throughout the rest of my notes because it's stupid. And uh, says that we can't let anything happen to you. Minka says that she doesn't need everything to be done for her either. And Vinny says, of course it does. You just have to listen between the lines. Uh, Blythe comes down and wants to know what's going on. So the pets exclaim that Minka is a rare minky and Zoe is a mutt. Blythe is surprised by the results of the DNA test. And... Um, they go into it a little more, but then she hears honking and goes outside to investigate. A limo is out there, and the window rolls down, and orange drink gets spilled onto Blythe. And it turns out it's the biscuits, unsurprisingly. And they say that they did it accidentally on purpose. They then order their driver to go clean it up. But it's not Francois. It's Roger. Bum, bum, bum. Blythe is surprised by this. And Roger makes small talk with Blythe. But then the biscuits order him to clean it. But he doesn't have any brawny paper towels. So, the Biscuits say to just use his tie, which Roger does. Blythe wants him to stop, but he's like, Joke's on them, I don't even like this tie. <laughs> Blythe still insists he stops, and the Biscuits aren't having fun anymore, so they let him stop. They then ask to go to the mall because there's a sale tomorrow, and they want to pre-shop? Oh, goodness. And they leave, and Blythe is still in shock about 
Just everything that happened. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. So, in the limo, the biscuits are bored and want music. So they ask Roger for music. Roger asks them to say please, but he does it for them. It's like, turn on the music, what? Oh, Mr. Driver, will you please turn on the music? Yes. It's, it's basically that. And then Roger turns on his favorite classic rock station. <laughs> and he is jamming to it. And he asks if this music is cool. And the biscuits answer, if you're like a hundred years old. And tone deaf. And then they ask him to turn it off. But Roger hears it as turn it up. And he does. So Roger starts singing along to the music. And the Biscuits kind of wonder what they're getting themselves into with this. And then a song happens. So the song, like, I guess is a continuation from what's playing on the radio but it's a back and forth between Roger's point of view of being nice as cool and fun and the Biscuits point of view of being selfish drama queens so throughout the song uh, Roger eventually gets the Biscuits to his point of view and, like, the biscuits start just being nice. Now, I have some things that will go later for this. But for right now, all you need to know is Roger is just that pure. So, like, it, it just, uh, there's that. And something will come later. Also, the song is called Biscuit Twins Rhapsody. So, I don't know. You tell me what inspired the song. Although it is not as obvious as, you know, Thriller and Wolfified. So, either way. Back at the pet shop. Zoe's lounging around when she spots Minka up in a tree uh, eating a banana. It's like a play tree or whatever. And Minka, on her perch, sees everyone else and wonders what they're doing. They're saying that they just want to protect her DNA. Minka angrily calls them out on not knowing what DNA is and pretends to hurl it everywhere. And the other pets try to catch it. Minka then goes over to Zoe to urge her to be more Zoe-like, despite being a cooler, more awesome, more unique dog. I mean, you know, being a mutt, and she's down on that fact. Instead of, you know, embracing being cooler and more awesome and more unique. God. God, I hate this episode's treatment of mutts. That is... That is some... Yeah, uh, that is some bull honky. 
That is some straight up bull honky. So, uh, Zoe tries singing for a bit, but a hairball comes out, and Zoe is saddened by her failure of her DNA, which, okay. I'm going to postpone it for just, just a little bit because Minka says that she needs to be the most much she can be and Zoe says that she needs to be the most minky she can be and it's this really weird notion that your DNA defines who you are and like in certain instances it does but in other instances it doesn't this is the whole thing of nature versus nurture. Minka might be a rare minky, but that doesn't mean she's not, you know, wild and like a painter of abstract art or, you know, just like hyperactive, climbing, wanting shiny things and claustrophobic. That, like her minkiness does not detract from that. And Zoe's muttness doesn't detract from her being a sensational dog. A sensational, occasional show dog who loves show business because it allows her to be free and be who she is. And, you know, just loves being in the spotlight and loves singing and dancing and Wearing berets, it's her being a mutt should not detract from that. This is why this episode is weird in its writing, and it also puts down non-pure animals in a sense because I don't know why. Like you would think, a show about animals would know about animals but they don't and this is really weird because we're talking about pure animals versus mixed animals and like how purity is like a thing that you should want or something and that's sort of very dog whistly pun sort of intended it is just like the being pure is all that you should be and it doesn't matter if you're dumber than a bag of rocks just being pure is the thing that makes you better that doesn't make any sort of sense and I really really thought we were done with casual racism since we talked about it last time, but this is this this is very not great. Okay. Okay. I think I'm done for now. It'll come back up later in the episode. But for right now, I think I'm done. 
Anyway, at the Biscuit Mansion, uh, the Biscuits and Roger are playing a game. Roger says something goofy and Whitney laughs. Brittany asks why and Whitney says she thinks she's having fun. Roger wins and Brittany laughs and says she's having fun too. Roger then says he needs to go home, but the Biscuits are desperate for him to stay because they like him. And Roger can make anyone like him. All it, all it takes is like a little bonding over some queen or queen-esque songs. And, you know, that can work. So then Francois walks in and Blythe follows behind. And Blythe says she's here because she was in the neighborhood and was wondering if Roger was done. And if Roger was done, they could just walk home together. Or drive home together. Does Roger not drive to the Biscuit house? How close do they live to each other? This is why I need a map. I need an honest-to-goodness map of downtown city. Like, I didn't think about this at all before, but a map of downtown city would be really cool and really helpful for a lot of things. So, uh, Blythe explains she stopped at a thrift store on her way here. Uh, when the Biscuits ask what that is, Blythe explains that it's a place where you can get used clothes and pulls out a dress she bought. The Biscuits are horrified because they don't like the idea of a used dress or any used clothes. So Blythe explains that the dress is for the ballet and Roger explains that he's taking Blythe to Swan Lake. The Biscuits then come up with a story about how they want to go to the Russian opera because they don't want to let Roger go. And Roger lets some weakness show by loving his old job and saying Russia was on his flight path. And the Biscuits see this weakness and pounce on it, saying that he can fly there in their private jet. So the Biscuits go pack and Roger asks Blythe if she's okay with it. Blythe says she's okay with it because, you know, it gives her dad another chance to fly for a bit. And then uh, when Roger leaves, Blythe starts tearing up and getting sad. So at the pet shop, Zoe has a new attitude that is full much. Which is basically Jersey Shore slash Real Housewives of New Jersey. And that's not good. That's, that's weird. And Minka displays her new royal attitude by being royal and aggressive about being royal, I guess. I don't know. This intimidates the pets as they need to follow Minka's demands and are scared of Zoe enforcing them. So, 
Blythe is at a desk, moping about what the Biscuits and her dad are doing. She imagines them showing up to the Russian ballet, going to their seats, and then in the middle of the performance, the cast of the dancers point them out, and then they become the dancers for the rest of the musical. Or ballet, rather. Not musical. And Roger is in a tutu and not like a leotard. And his dance moves are good and they all chant his name. They go, Roger, 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 Roger. And Blythe breaks down in tears about how she lost her dad to the biscuits. So, okay. Series of rants coming up. Although... This is a pretty rant-heavy episode to begin with, so... Whatever. So, in the limo, the Biscuits are discussing their dresses and how they can just buy new ones in Russia. Roger laments not getting a good look at Blythe's new dress. The Biscuit makes fun of it and all used dresses... Roger says that Blythe does good things with used dresses. The Biscuits say that they only wear clothes once and then donate it. Okay, so this is the closing of the loop. Of the rants, I started back in Heart of Parkness, and that sort of continued into What Meme Worry. So, my original question is, why do they need a place to keep their makeup if, like, their clothes that they say in this episode are a one-time use? But, in What Meme Worry, we see that they just buy in bulk and just like whatever as as evidenced by the laptop boudoir but do they treat their makeup the same way as they do their dresses by just throwing it out after a single use Maybe since in Bakers and Fakers they wasted perfectly good lipstick by drawing it on the locker. So they need the storage space because they buy so much stuff that they're only going to use once. They are the worst rich people. The absolute worst rich people. So they continue to prove how awful they are by saying that those dresses go immediately to the less fortunate, which they define as everyone else. Now, Roger, Roger is furious and turns the limo around. He just pulls a straight up Yui right in the middle of the street. And the biscuits are weirded out by the sudden change. And the quote-unquote backward scenery. And Roger informs them that they're going home. They try to say please again, but it doesn't work. 
And thus the spell is broken and the twins are back to their nasty selves. And fire Roger. So, I'm going to propose two theories and go with the second one. So, the original theory and what I think the show's going after is that their dislike of Blythe overrode their like for Roger and Roger siding with Blythe instead of them, like, just got them mad. My preference is that... To turn someone as evil as the Biscuits, Roger is only half of the equation. The other half is Blythe's mom. But Blythe's mom is not readily available to deal with these monster children. And I like this explanation because it goes into Blythe as a character because, like, she's nice and all-around creative and just a good person to hang around. And the Biscuits are, like, the exact opposite of it. And, like, like their nature and nurture is nasty, but Blythe's nature and nurture is not and like that's that's why we have Blythe and the characters and whatever so uh, back to the episode Fishery hires Roger to take him to his rich man's gathering on 3rd Street Roger is excited because that's close to his house and then on their way, Fisher asks where they were going. Uh, Roger says that they were going to the Russian ballet in Russia. And Fisher says that they would have had a hard time because he sold his private jet last month. Probably to cover for his girls' spending habits. Roger laments what he did with his own daughter and Fisher asks him to hurry up so he can make up with her. Blythe is still a million miles away, like, in her mind, when Mrs. Tombley comes up to her and says she made an error. It turns out that Minka isn't a rare minky, and that Zoe is a stupid, dumb, purebred dog. Blythe hears this, and then realizes what that means, and is brought back down to Earth. Blythe is exciting goes to tell the pets. So before she does, we see Minka barking out orders, and then we see Blythe show up and explain everything to everyone. Zoe's excited to be a stupid stupid purebred. Purebred no. <clears throat> and uh she spits out the gum she was chewing on as her Jersey in persona and goes back to being Zoe and apologizes to Minka but Minka says she's fine with it because she likes being open and free and being a Minky somehow prevents that even though we kind of learned that in Bad Hair Day when 
you know, too much pressure on Minka just causes her to stop. They were putting that much pressure on Minka. I don't know. This this whole thing is dumb and stupid and dog whistle-y. I don't know. So, uh, Minka says that the pet shop is the same as it ever was, and everyone celebrates. Mrs. Twombly reflects on what a strange day this was, and Blythe agrees. She then hears someone come in and says that they are closed. But it's Roger, and he wants to take her to the ballet. Blythe says uh, she needs to go change for the ballet, and then Roger gets a call and is rehired by the airport, and Blythe and Roger celebrate because that means, like, He's he has a job and he can be her dad again. And Mrs. Twombly says, I guess this means I can unlock the power tools. And thus the episode ends. And I'm not going to mince words. This is a strange episode. And it has like a really good A section and a really kind of bad B section. Like, I don't, I never really liked this B section, because, like, the whole, like, pure nature defines who you are is cockamamie. It's stupid and dumb. And, like, like, if you want children to adopt pets, a month is more widely available and better and won't die on you from disease because their genes have mixed up so much that, you know, they can, uh, you know, withstand more things than purebred and purebred cells are weaker and whatever. But on the other hand, the story with Roger is so good and Roger is good and I like Roger he's he's my favorite character in the show I think we all know that and just him turning the biscuits even for a little while is amazing and just seeing like his relentless positivity doing good is just so good and all of his silliness and his silly traits, but there's also the fact that he knows when to put his foot down on the brake to pull a Yui in the middle of the street with no warning and no indications because two girls he is working for is insulting his little girl, and he will not have that. He will not have that. You are going home. And not going to Russia. And it's amazing. So. I guess this will end the episode here. And before I say my usual spiel. Uh, I will note two things quick. One. I do know Netflix says. Uh. The show is getting taken off August 16th. 
So that figuring out what to do from there might be a problem. So there might be a bit of a delay. The other reason there might be a bit of a delay is that I am moving soon. So I have to get a new setup and everything while uh, transferring pretty much everything I own uh, to a new apartment. So, that will be it for this episode of the Littlest Pet Cast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on iTunes, on Shout Engine, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go. When they are in a limo driving uh, two girls to a Russian opera. And be sure to uh, stay tuned for our next episode, Inside Job. I will see you then. Oh, and uh, by the way, to everyone who thinks purebred dogs are indeed better than mutts, I've got something to say to you, but I don't know if I can say it the best. So I'm gonna let my man Dumbledore do it. You ready, Dumbledore? Here it is. Your mother is a f***ing lorem ipsum admitum venium tragula hippopotamus republican in Daniel Radcliffe with a bucket of and a castle far away where no one can hear you soup with a bucket of Mickey Mouse and a stick of dynamite. Magical Alakazam. Couldn't have said it any better myself.